Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, Episode 90. Today, we have a very special Encore episode with a dear colleague and friend, Jean Rohde. And her message is very timely as leaders are striving to care for their teams. And at the same time, we know they need to care for themselves as well. And Tracy and I are currently doing a pilot self-study on caring for others without neglecting you for healthcare leaders. So stay tuned on more information about that. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare, to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. It's Michelle. And it's Tracy. Yes. And it's Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Is it really? It is. It is. Oh my gosh, here we are again. <laughs> Just want to make sure everyone was in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we just wrapped up an interview with a dear friend and colleague of ours and a phenomenal leader, uh, Jean Rohde. Yeah. And surprise, it was phenomenal. It was fun. It was insightful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We right. think you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah. A lot of lessons over time and a lot of timeless messages. That's what my key takeaway was. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we've known Jean for a very long time mm-hmm. and it's just fun, right? To watch somebody on their journey and it's fun to connect around something that, you know, you value, you have shared values and purposes. And so it's just very uplifting and energizing for us to interview her. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And the reason we even reached out to her is on one of our solo episodes of taking care of self and other we really thought about her. So it was just, we just went knocking on her door and we're so pleased that she was willing to share her personal journey with us. Yeah. And she's such a great role model. She is. She really is. So tell us about her. All right. So let me tell you a little bit more about our colleague, Jean. Dr. Jean Rohde is the senior director, clinical informatics for Spectrum Health, a $6 billion not-for-profit integrated health system based in Michigan. She is has responsibility for nursing and allied health informatics and electronic health record training. Jean has more than 30 years of experience in healthcare administration, including medical surgical inpatient care, neuroscience services, emergency and trauma services, and surgical services. 
Jean was responsible for clinical and operational readiness in evolving the health system model of care, which places the patient at the center of an integrated delivery system that is functioning on a single standardized electronic health record. Jean earned a Doctor of Nursing Practice degree from Rush University, Chicago, Illinois, with a focus on health systems leadership, a master's degree in nursing administration from Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and a bachelor's in nursing degree from the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. She holds certification as a board-certified nurse executive advanced by the American Nurses Credentialing Center. She is also the current chair of the advisory board for the Bazork Center for Healthcare Transformation at Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she is the past president of the Kappa Epsilon at Large chapter of Sigma Theta Tau International Nursing Honor Society. So without further ado, here's our interview with Jean. Well, welcome Jean to the podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. Yeah, it's a great day to have Jean with us this morning. Yeah. Thank you. I'm just honored to be here and very excited to have this conversation with the two of you. Yeah, we are too. So Tracy and I, uh, we always like to start with something fun with our guests. And, um, you know, all three of us are from Michigan. Um, but you have really stepped into enjoying a good life of living in Michigan and living in Florida for parts of your life. And tell us a little bit about, um, about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, along the way I have thought that Florida would be a nice retirement plan for myself. And, um, when it was suggested to look at property down there some years ago, well before even contemplating retirement, I thought, well, this is a little bit early for that, but, You know, what I um, came to discover is that I needed an escape. Uh, I needed a place to go for renewal and that my retirement plan was something I didn't need to wait until I retired for. I needed to infuse it into my everyday existence, right? And so um, there's a certain beach in Florida that um, when I go for a walk on it, I feel very happy. Um, Often see dolphins. Um, beautiful shells, and it's my happy place. And so I find that in my everyday work life, whenever I'm feeling stressed, I can visualize my happy place in Florida. It transports me, and it really helps to provide one more layer of resilience uh, by being able to be calm, and it also helps me to be fully present. Um, so that has been a great uh, benefit of starting my retirement plan well before retirement, right? Oh, yes. Um, so. oh, I think that's brilliant. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it, is. it really is. You can't wait, right? You just don't know. So. Yeah. Good for you. And I love I love what you said about transporting yourself. You can always go there, right? <laughs> that's right. I can be there in a nanosecond. <laughs> and, <right>. uh, <laughs> yeah, you get that clear I, visual, right? It's an actual place. Yeah. You know? So it makes right. it so much easier to visualize. I've learned to be able to control my blood pressure by visualizing it as well. So it's interesting. Yeah. Like a 30-second meditation, visualizing that beach, my blood pressure on a recheck is significantly lower. So, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. That's interesting. That's really powerful. That's great. <laughs> well, Gina, do you think we should tell everyone how long we've known each other? <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been a few years, hasn't it? It has. Um, we, 
We were kids together, uh, working as young nurses, weren't we? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we kind of go way back, um, back to uh, Butterworth Hospital in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Tracy always shares the story of how her and I met uh, orientation. I don't know if you knew that, Jean, but we met on the first day of orientation. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic. In the East Auditorium. Wow. <laughs> wow. And little did you know at the time um, that you would be lifelong friends and colleagues and um, the amazing journey the two of you would be on together. Yeah. Um, who knew? You know, you just don't know. You never know um, who how you're things gonna... are mm-hmm. evolve, you know, and that was similar for me in terms of my connection to all of you. Um, through Bonnie was Orc, really. She was our, our connector in um, doing that shared work together and really finding the passion in that. It took us many places. Um, so it's, it's, it's been so fun to have this connection with the two of you through the years at various intervals, um, doing very important work. And always I feel like part of the divine plan, right, that we were placed together in certain moments um, to be shared so it's it's been a very special journey. Nothing happens by coincidence, as I think you all are subscribers to that, as is Bonnie. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is kind of um, miraculous when you look back and you see all the different times we've intersected. And it's one of those relationships that it's just always the same. You know, it's just, it's always the same feeling and we just are on to a new journey and, and uh, so it's been a great privilege walking that walk with you. And, you know, you've been a, such a mentor to us when it comes to leadership. And and it just it just kind of it's a dynamic balance between mm-hmm. us. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I was grounded in those principles of partnership. Right? Yeah, that is right. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. You are um, the two of you and the others in the in the cl- clinical practice model consortium had been bright lights. Um, it was always a joy to connect with you. Um, and we didn't need to talk on a daily basis or even on a weekly basis or even monthly. We could pick right up. Right. Um, and we knew that we had this important work and that we supported each other. And that's what, you know, professional colleagues really need to do um, with each other is to help network and, and help each other on the various uh, challenging journeys that we're on. We need that, yeah. that peer, that colleague support. Yeah, well, one of the uh, missions that Tracy and I are on is developing a new community, if you will, around a balanced and resilient leaders and really connecting people that really want to be on that journey. And we're so excited, Jean, to have you in the podcast because we know how passionate um, you are about health and well-being as well as being a leader you know, who values being balanced and resilient. And so... At Missing Logic, we've really been uh, focusing on helping healthcare leaders living more balanced and resilient lives. And uh, we're using a unique combination of strategies, many of which you'll recognize because we've learned them together over 30 years, called the dynamic balance effect. And uh, part of that is managing tensions with polarity thinking as our pillar number two in the dynamic balance effect. So that's been a key focus of ours now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're so excited to have you with us today, because one of those crux tensions that I think all leaders, I think everybody as a person, right? (laughs) As people, we deal with this, you know, this challenge, this tension between taking care of ourselves 
and taking care of others, whether that's our staff or our family or children, whatever it is, yeah. right? Um, it's that ongoing tension, um, and that, that polarity, uh, of individual and self. And we know you've been a long time leader and, uh, many, many years of, um, really excellent, uh, attention to balancing that, to managing that tension between self and others. That's why we're so excited to have you here to share your story um, with our listeners. But before we kind of dive into that, because we know this is a crux tension, a crux polarity, um, it might help our listeners to know a little bit about how you first learned about polarity thinking and kind of managing tensions like that. Sure. Thank you. Um, you know, many years ago, I went to a workshop that Bonnie Wazork sponsored um, with Barry Johnson. And I'm saying, when I say many years ago, I'm saying 25 years ago, maybe. Um, and I remember thinking, who is this person? And, you know, what are these concepts? Because they are phenomenal. Um, it really struck a chord in me because I tended to come from a paradigm of being a black and white thinker. It was this or that, Right. And um, and that was part of my life's journey to really kind of sort that out, that it's not this or that. It is this and that. And there are tensions to be managed, as, as you know, you are now um, speaking to. And then um, some years back, Bonnie provided our travel team, and I joined the travel team for a while and went around the country and also worked with um, a variety of healthcare colleagues and leaders on how to develop partnerships with their with their staff. Um, we were, we spent a week, um, in Maryland on dialogue and really diving deep into the art and science of dialogue. And I remember during that week, um, having a concept put out there that I have held close to me ever since, which was talking about, um, holding opposites in the same con- container, um, and considering that both were true. Um, and what would it look like if both of these opposites were true? And um, the speaker challenged us to find the truth in each as well as the downsides of each. So it was building on that early introduction to, to Barry's work and then also um, continuing to hear messages that get put in your path along the way that help you to further um, understand what polarities are and what tensions are. I started at some point in those years, started using the word polarities a lot. And I even found when I was at a international conference, um, electronic health record conference, I was riding a bus with an individual who asked me if knew Michelle because she said I sounded just like her um, talking about polarities. I thought that was very interesting. Um, And I'm like, yes, I do know Michelle. Um, But anyway, And then recently, in the past couple of years, I had the opportunity um, to attend the Polarity Institute workshop that the two of you facilitated with Bonnie Wazork. And that, to me, kind of um, put put the whole puzzle together and really helped me to evolve my thinking to a much deeper level around polarity thinking and, uh, and how one can leverage it in their daily life. And for me, that was one of the best Um, conferences I had been to in years. Um, And I wasn't prepared to really think about it in the context of how it would improve my own personal life and well-being. But I came out of it 
And, you know, you don't always know what you learn at a conference um, the day you walk out the door. It's what you learned at the conference that you reflect on in the years that follow, right? And it builds um, builds more and more wisdom and knowledge that you draw on. Um, and that is, uh, you know, I'm still reflecting on, on those days. And I know the others that attended it with me had the same feeling like that was the best conference they'd ever they'd ever been to. So I want to thank the two of you for your wisdom and leadership um, and really taking us through um, that deep learning. Um, it was profound. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you, Jean. Yeah, we, we've yeah. always enjoyed those institutes. They oh. are. And the wisdom in the room, too, right? Because everybody brings something exactly. to the table that we're all learning from, you know? And uh, so, That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So so where have you arrived with the application of polarity thinking? Then you said, you know, as you have, you know, kind of continued on and had other experiences, how have you found you've been able to apply it as a leader or personally? Right. Well, thank you for asking that question because, you know, um, I see polarities every day. I mean, I am consciously thinking about them every day. And when I am feeling some inner sense of angst about something, um, maybe something a colleague has said or the way they might appear to be positioning themselves, I think about that. Like, what is the, you know, what is the polarity here? What is the tension? And it helps me to work with them on making sure that what is important to them as well as to our organization is being met while also honoring this need to accomplish some, perhaps some quality work that needs to be done. So kind of the thing that we've talked about a lot was that mission margin dynamic in the past. Mm -hmm. So um, right now, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic in front of us, we're really seeing an example of a polarity with needing to keep people safe, needing to keep our numbers of new cases down with the ability to, rescue the economy, right? Um, and what a polarity that is manifesting right in front of us, and it's playing out on um, a world stage every day. I think it's such a great example. Uh, as I, I, you know, this is a point in my life where I am into really wanting to give back to new leaders. And so as I spend time with them, I, you know, we talk a lot about polarities and what, you know, is this a problem to be solved? If so, you know, create it. Let's talk through a plan. Or is this a polarity that you will have your whole life and it will always be there and it's always going to frustrate you to some degree because you represent this other side, but you cannot have the success of a high quality patient experience if your organization financially cannot afford it, right? I mean, if it will not be there. Um, and so, you know, in this post, well, I'm calling it post-COVID era, um, I don't think it's quite post yet, um, we're going to see how we are going to be called upon to reduce cost um, of healthcare to a much higher degree. And it's going to be one of the hardest, most challenging times we have experienced maybe in the last, you know, 30 or 40 years, at least for my career, um, in terms of what this is going to represent for us and trying to deliver that high quality patient experience and yet um, stay viable financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And we yeah. were fortunate enough to just um yesterday yeah. interview Dr. Barry Johnson about that specific polarity uh around the health of the population and the economy. And uh it was phenomenal. 
And uh, so we're really excited to have people hear that interview. And I think it's... Oh, great. It's I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It's a game changer, right? It really is. Yeah. It's, and it's yeah. time for us to tap the wisdom to understand how to navigate through that, for sure. Yeah, because and there's your, many, many layers. Yeah, yeah. And to your point, right, it's never going to go away. We were trying to manage it before and to Barry's point, right, not doing so well. And now we have this, right? But it's just, again, opportunity to look through a, a fresh set of eyes, right, to look at it in a different way and to come out of this better because of that um, and manage it better going into the future. And I, I just want to commend you for sharing your you know, you're learning around this with future leaders, you know, mm-hmm. because we solely believe that this is, you know, this is a key competency for every well person, <laughs> but certainly every leader in every organization because they are everywhere. They're never going away and you do have to manage them. You can't solve them. So I really commend you for doing that and uh, appreciate your efforts in that way. Um, the other thing too is, you know, um, let's, now we can kind of, let's just transition to kind of this crux polarity of self and others. And a lot of that is around our own well-being and establishing our own well-being, right? Taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others. So tell us a little bit about when you first really became 100% committed to that health and well-being for yourself as a leader, but, you know, and to role model that for others. How did that evolve for you? Sure, yeah. And thank you for using the word evolve. Because, you know, there isn't this one day where you wake up and you go, today I'm 100% in, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish it was like that. Why can't it be like that? <laughs> because truly, it's um, it's about a number of moments in your life in which you learn, you gain wisdom um, that come together to one day be enough to really push through the barriers. So for me, it was a combination of, of a series of learnings along the way. I, you know, looking back at my doctoral work, I focused on the health and well-being of nurses. And during that time, I surveyed nurses, particularly on their self-care practices. And I found that their lowest scoring areas were in the area of nutrition and exercise. And I found that very interesting because Nurses have the knowledge that they need for the most part um, to know what to do with those two things, but they're not doing it, right? Um, and what they're not understanding is that if they don't attend to those things um, and they attend to others over themselves, they actually are putting everything at risk. They're putting even attending to others at risk because they're not going to bring their best self um, to their families. Um, and I see so many staff who have a problem with obesity. Um, and I worry about that. I see leaders um, who, when I take a look at them, I think um, they're not balanced in their lives. And something's out of balance here physically for them. They look unwell. And um, and so I think that um, as I've, I've observed a lot of those things, I've attended a lot of workshops. Um, I looked at nurse managers as well, and nurse managers had the lowest scores in stress management in attending to ways to uh, address their stress and learn more about it. Um, a colleague of mine during my doctoral work um, 
provided a health promotion workshop for the nurses in my study. And he gave us an opportunity. He introduced us to grace cards. I don't know if you've ever heard of grace cards, um, but they're cards that um, they're um, created by Cheryl Richardson, and they come a deck of 50 cards. And the belief is that the wisdom of the card you pull out is is intended for you, and it is a message to you on something that you need to attend to or something, you know, to give put more energy into. At that session, I drew out a card that had honor on the back of it, and it says, care for your soul. Honor the divinity within you by practicing extreme self-care. And I thought, whoa, extreme self-care. What does that look like? Um, what does that mean? Yeah. Because I clearly have not been doing that, right? (laughs) And so it's like extreme sports, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so I put this card in my closet um, where I get dressed every morning and I posted it in a highly visible space and I pondered it for years, right? Um, And I, and to this day, this is the card that if I am going to bring to an event or a retreat where someone says, bring something that really kind of was a moment for you, a defining moment. It was seeing this card. Did I act on it the next day? No, I did not. But I knew that there was a message there to me that I needed to practice extreme self-care. And so um, I, um, I have not forgotten about that. And along the way, um, another piece of my self-care journey had to do with a preparation for a retreat in which I was asked to write a six-word memoir. And I'm not sure how familiar you are with the six-word memoir um, assignment, but legend has it that Ernest Hemingway was once challenged to write a story in only six words. And his story was, for sale, baby shoes, never worn. So what we were asked to do is to write six words of where we were in our lives at that point in time. Um, and so my uh, six-word memoir was, choose happiness, practice mindfulness, give back. I really felt that happiness is a choice. And that happiness doesn't just happen to you, that you have to, you have to work at it. I mean, some people are naturally happy people, but for the, for the most of us, yeah, Michelle is one of those people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Tracy, you are as well. Yeah, as I don't you know are about both, that. You are both bright. <laughs> you are both bright, positive people, but. Happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. Every day we can choose where we want to live in our heads and in our thinking and how we frame our thoughts. So um, it takes cultivation and nurturing and creating happy places, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and intention, it's very intentional choosing happiness. And then practice mindfulness is to be present in the moments. And if there's something I've really loved in the COVID um, era, if you will, the pandemic era, mm-hmm. is that I feel like people are being more mindful yeah. than they've been in years because they've had to slow down. Yep. They don't have a hundred places to run off to. They have more time for contemplation and reflection. 
They're getting to know their children in ways they never knew them before and what miracles they are or not. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for me, you know, seeing my, um, seeing my friends, you know, my colleagues with their children popping into the background, um, dogs jumping over them, whatever yeah. it is like, you know, I, I'm getting to know my colleagues in a whole different way. I'm sure everyone is having that experience, but so, um, and then giving back, it's time to give back. Right. And that's what I love about the mentorship and about helping others on this journey toward wellness. Mm-hmm. So as I continued my quest, um, a mindfulness course was put in my path and you can't have mindfulness in a six word memoir and not take the class. Right. <laughs> so it was actually like a semester long class. And uh, then I really learned what mindfulness was at a much deeper level. We had an all day retreat where we were not to say anything to anyone. Um, we couldn't make eye contact with anyone. We went through a series of exercises. It was profound. Um, the things that you notice um, during a day like that. So in my quest um, for ongoing wellness, I have been a yo-yo dieter my whole life. And I thought to myself, um, I've, I can be better than this. I don't want to live my life constantly on a diet, you know, losing and gaining the same 20 pounds. And in my path came a program that helped me um, to achieve a new, a new state of wellness. I detoxed from sugar. I detoxed from chemicals, preservatives, um, artificial sweeteners. And I came out the other side and thought, you know, um, coming out the other side was 50 pounds lighter. And I thought, how do I want to go forward with that? What do I want to learn from this experience and kind of found my own way into cracking the code on my, um, my weight challenges and really understanding that for some people, moderation works for others. Abstinence is better and not adding some of those triggers back into my life has for me been um, what has really been helpful. But my faith in in God um, was critical to my success. I really believe this was given to me as a gift to take and value or discard. It was up to me um, to do that. And um, and so now it's something that I have to be careful to nurture. Um, But it's been four years of success now, um, which is, you know, the yo-yo dieting life is gone. Yeah. Um, So for me that in each thing opened a new layer of, um, wellness and well-being and, and carefully cultivating it. So I, I haven't arrived. I'm on a journey, right? Yeah. And the other thing I would say is that um, it's enjoying the daily moments. It's not about the destination. It's about every day you're in and not waiting to, oh, if I just get to here and I get all this stuff done, I'm going to work extremely hard and kind of disappear into all this work and then come out the other side. You may not come out the other side. <laughs> it's about making the best and the most of every day you have um, and enjoying each day and the beauty in each day and the gratitude for what you have and seeing it. The use of meditation. I heard you talk about that at one, in one of your other podcasts um, in the, the important rituals both of you have in the mornings, um, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah. Well, we d- we've been talking a lot about habits lately, too, and how important habits are. Right. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's really been, um, just amazing kind of 
observing the journey that you've been on, Jean, because of course we know each other and we see each other periodically. And I was going to ask you now, how, how many years has it been? And it's been four years. That's, mm-hmm. that's remarkable, really. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Um, what have been some of your biggest challenges and wins in the journey to, to get where you are? Like, can you share with our listeners maybe some of the biggest challenges and, and wins that helped you on your journey? Sure. Um, you know, as I mentioned about taking it one day at a time, every day is a choice to recommit to body, mind, and spirit and balance, right? So every day, um, and maybe not every day can you be totally unbalanced because there will be some days where work might call you for, you might work for 12, 14 hours because of a certain situation like being in a COVID command center, right? Or something like that. Um, Or you might work 10 days in a row without a day off. Now that is not ideal, but I will tell you, even through the extreme preparation process and working in a high stress environment, getting ready for COVID in the hospital, there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't exercise um, so I was not willing to give up. And I also brought my own food um, in and ate all of my healthful choices. I tried to rest as much as I could. Did I have much time for socialization? Then no, something had to go. But it's still, what are you willing to give up or not? Um, and, it, and to be my most effective um, and to be clear thinking and all the new things that, you know, all the shortages of PPE and restricting visitors from being present, all those things that just, you know, came up very quickly that had to have plans around them. You need to think clearly. And it was, um, it was as though I was preparing for an Olympic event, right? Mm -hmm. I, that was extreme self-care, um, right in the middle of all of that. It wasn't letting myself get run down. Well, and I think, you know, what, what comes up for me when you say that is I agree with you. It is a conscious choice, but, also believe that the more habits you have in place, the more unconscious it becomes to continue those things. You don't have to decide every day because it's a part of who you are. And that's what I hear about you. You have very specific patterns and habits that you do on a routine basis and you knew what was negotiable and what wasn't. And it made it so much easier for you to step into that time because these are the things that are not negotiable, my diet and my exercise. And anything else that's about self-care right now, I can set aside, but I'm going to keep these things because that's what's going to sustain me the longest and the most. And it's your, you know, it's your pattern, your habit that you already have in place. So it, it wasn't hard to make those decisions. The people that don't have that, they are having to decide every day. And when you have to decide every day, then that's a chance that you're going to fall off, right? And you're going to not continue it because you have to decide it. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. hard to make that decision day after day after day, right? Right, right. It's, that is so true. It is. It kind of, and that's that's the difference between surviving a situation, right? You're surviving it mm-hmm. every day where you can thrive through it because of the good, you know, choices you've made overall and the habits that you've put in place. Yeah. You know, yeah, thank you for reminding me of that because even like nutrition, it is not hard for me to prepare lunches for the whole week on a Sunday where I bake up my organic chicken and it just divided up. I mean, it has become so easy. It is not, it is not an effort anymore. Yeah. Um, and I see my friends scrambling and making bad choices sometimes and, um, you know, in the foods that are available when you go to the work setting and it's, 
you know, the preparation of things that really makes it so simple. It isn't a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is those habits, those, yeah. those routines that you adopt yeah. that can, you can go into autopilot with on many of them. You're right. Exactly. It is. It is autopilot because it's just unconscious. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is how I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And you just are. And, That's right. You know, when you keep that going, then you don't have to decide about it. Right. So the beauty of it, right? Yeah. It's just getting That's the right. habit established to start with. <laughs> you know, you get past that, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, as, as I think about body, mind, and spirit and balance, you know, and what it looks like, it doesn't have to be a competitor to an already busy life. It's incorporated into an yes. already busy life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep, exactly. So it doesn't require extreme effort to do all of those things and to do all of these other things. You're bringing your whole centered self to your work, which yep. makes you all that much more effective. Right, right. I agree. Jean, can you say a, a few words about balancing, you know, how you take care of yourself and you've, you know, put great intention and have your, um, your ways now of doing that to your staff or your team? You know, what actions do you take consciously to take care of your team while you're taking care of yourself? Sure. Well, you know, one thing I would say, first of all, is I'm a role model, right? Because I live the life and they see it. I'm being watched. You know, I know people are watching me all the time and they comment on it. And I've had a number of people in the organization say to me, you've been an inspiration to me. And, you know, when someone says that to you, you feel even more like, oh, I better continue on that path. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can't drop the ball now. <laughs> yeah, I've got all these people that are watching me to see how I can sustain this over the long run, right? Yeah. And um, and and so that's been empowering for me. But I think part of it is um, providing appreciation and recognition, um, realizing every one of your team members has a story. I mean, the stories are incredible to hear. Everyone has had a journey. And when you really learn their stories, you can help them move forward um, to live um, more authentic lives. Um, and so it's really getting to know your people at that level and taking a strong interest in their personal and professional success and how you can put things in their path um, to help them also become their best selves as a professional and also those things they want to pursue personally that it's possible. Um, so mentorship, you know, really my role is helping to eliminate barriers for people, but also helping them to find their own path of wisdom. One thing I've noticed in meetings with my team is that the meetings they feel the best about are the meetings in which dialogue took place in which we slow down our conversations and we try to uncover some of our assumptions about how we are viewing a situation. How did we get there? How has it created the tensions that it has? Let's understand each perspective. People will come out of that meeting saying that was the best meeting we've ever had. Um, So it's really setting the stage for that level of conversation, that level of deeper meaning and using inquiry and understanding, I think those are very healthy things for a team um, to really enrich their thinking and expand their world and system view. Having fun, 
obviously is critical to Mm -hmm. um, supporting the team and making sure that you are doing the work of what is needed to have fun, right? Yeah. Um, Because it takes investment of time in order to set up those events. Somebody has to do it, right? Um, Yeah. They they really do pay off. Um, And as I mentioned before, being a positive role model, um, cannot say enough about that walking the talk. Mm-hmm. Oh. Those are great suggestions. They are. They're yeah. wonderful suggestions. And, you know, you've also mentioned, um, you know, you're, you're in a situation where you've been preparing, right, for COVID. Um, fortunately, you haven't had the influx of patients uh, to date that others in other regions and areas in Michigan and in other states have had. Um but still, right, you're readying yourselves as an organization, as a leadership team for for this, you know, uh, for a potential ramp up of patients. And, you know, we're concerned, everybody's concerned, right, about the frontline clinicians, the workers, um, the essential workers that are, um, you know, facing some really difficult challenges when they are caring for the COVID patients in mass, right? Like in New York, and the mental health and the ability, it's, it's traumatic almost what they're experiencing in some regards, right? And, and even, even the situation for those that, um, aren't in that same situation like they are in New York City. Still, this is significant change, right? This There's a lot going on in the preparation, a lot of changes to the work environment, to the leadership roles, to, as you mentioned, the mission, the margin piece, right? There's just a lot going on. And even that, right, is challenging uh, for clinicians and the leaders. And so we were just wondering, you know, what have been your observations about the ability of the leaders to, you know, either remain, have some balance in their lives or, you know, be, be resilient during these challenging and unprecedented times. What are, what are your observations about how they're able to maintain their self care and move through this difficult time? Well, it's really been interesting to watch because um, I have seen people work extremely long hours. I have seen people, almost have difficulty speaking and articulating because they had been um, sleep deprived and, and working without a day off. Um, and I, I reflecting on that now, don't think that that is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think some people got pretty close to the edge there. And I, I think that we have to just be mindful of, that we can trust each other to carry the baton mm-hmm. at times. We don't always need to all be present for everything. And I think I saw a little bit of that where we might have had more people present um, than needed to be. Let's yeah. trust each other to carry some of the work yeah. Um, yeah. And, and spread it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're, they're really, you know, if I could suggest one thing, that would be a, I think those who brought a balanced, resilient lifestyle into the story probably did much better. Right, right. Um, they got that foundation, right? Right. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, um, you know, how important it is that we reach out to colleagues to share what we're noticing because they're so caught up in it, they may not even be aware of it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Encouraging the self-care pieces. Yeah. You know, yeah. A little bit more during the 
the event um, and sharing stories about what we're doing to take care of ourselves outside of being present so much. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's critical. Right. And just, I think everybody to your point, sharing their story, being open, like about what they are experiencing is very, very helpful. Right. To know you're not alone. Um, and that's, others are having right. similar experiences or responses. You know, I think we were having conversation yesterday about it. this is a human response, right? It's a response to what's happening and yeah. you just have to pay attention to that and what that, how that shows up for you. It's different for every person. It is. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Any specific advice you'd have to other leaders, um, you know, as far as enhancing how they can take better care of themselves or anything that you've learned that you have found to be exceptionally helpful that you would advise others to potentially consider? Um, you know, other than to say that, you, you know, it really requires intentionality. It requires a commitment. Um, it does require establishing habits, Right. Um, you are being watched. So if you really want to be that best leader, role model, how you take care of yourself is definitely a part of the story that cannot be hidden. And um, how you use your vacation time or not um, matters. It sends a message. How much you feel you need to be on top of every detail or can delegate sends a message. Um, so it's a series of things um, that really helps to show your valuing for self-care um, and well-being. And all of this creates a resilience that doesn't happen by accident either. Um, it creates those habits. Um, but it does at times take some stepping back, like I went through my nutritional detox program and doing something extreme. To get your get your attention, right, and to see a profound um, ability to look at your life overall, and hopefully not because you've had a health crisis. Although for some people that might be what they need to get their attention, um, maybe now during this post COVID time is a time to recommit for a lot of people to self care mm-hmm. in a whole different way. Um, time for reflection. Time to map out a new plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been saying, right? Yeah. Is now's the time uh, because it's not going to get easier, right? Right. The longer this goes on, the harder it is going to it could get, and it is an opportune time to do a reset to just really think about who do I want to be on the other side of this, and how do I want to be with others, right? And uh, so I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate your comments on that. And, and it is about role modeling. And the other thing I think about that is you can't help your staff if you haven't gone on the journey yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to hold others up if you haven't been on your own journey. And it's not to your point, not to say I've right. arrived, right? I, I'm perfect. But it's to say, I get it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on the journey too. And here's what I'm learning and, you know, and to, to help them by being a role model and just living it every day. And some of that sometimes is being vulnerable, right? That, you know, Hey, I'm not perfect. I, you know, yeah, I'm slipping, but you know what? Again, it's that knowing you are a role model kind of keeps you bolstered up like, okay, got to stay on the journey. Right. And, um, I think that makes a big difference as, 
as a leader. And it's the best thing you can do because you can't serve others. If you, if you're not taking care of yourself, you just really can't, Yeah, it will drag you down in the long run. Right. You can't carry the burden and the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it makes you heavy and then you can't fly. Right. So true. So very wise and profound. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, um, you know, finding your circle of support, right? You're not in it alone, you know, and hopefully your circle of support has healthy habits. Makes the journey a lot harder. <laughs> uh, but it is good. You know, when we've been intentionally reaching out to people and eat virtually and just, you know, colleagues from across the country just to laugh and support each other and learn from each other. So I think that's really important too. You know, good advice for leaders all over the place. You're not alone. Yeah. Well, and every day is a new day. I think yep. you brought that up too. I appreciated that. Yeah. Gina. Like, you know, every day is another opportunity, right? So right. you're going to have yes. a few days that might not go so well, <laughs> but every day <laughs> right. is a new opportunity to get right back on, get, you know, get your habit restarted, just get going down the road again. Yeah. 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 Well, Jean, one of our closing questions for you is, you know, what gives you the greatest hope right now in regards to how COVID-19 might impact the lives of healthcare leaders in a positive way? And I think the current ones, but also the next generation, because they're learning through this. Um, what gives you the greatest hope? Sure. I think um, for me, the greatest hope is that um, we have been put into a kind of like a pause mode, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to really reflect. We have been given a gift of some reflection time we may or may not have wanted on to how can we reinvent ourselves for what is needed in the future. This is something I've done my entire career, is how do I reinvent myself to be what the organization needs in the future so that I remain relevant? And then what do I need to do to prepare myself for that? And so it's really looking at where do you think this is heading and where do you think healthcare for me, healthcare is heading um, and what does a patient experience look like in the future? How do I remain relevant, prepare myself to really be ahead of the curve on that? And if you are, you know, always in a state of intentionally um, evolving yourself and, and growing yourself to meet that need, you will be relevant. And, you know, that's for me, it's like reflection time. How do I prepare? What do I now bring? Um, and how can I bring an even better version of myself to that next iteration? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a tremendous challenge. It is going to be a game changer. Those who will do well will have that resilience. They will have that ability to reinvent and to, to define what they want to offer the world in this next decade. Mm-hmm. And I, to- I, I think it'd be hard to do that if you're not strong body, mind and spirit. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. You have got, totally. you have got to have that strength yeah. of body, mind and spirit yeah. um, to move through this time of heavy lifting, right? This time of reinvention and, um, if you, if you aren't there, you're not going to have the opportunity to reinvent yourself, right? It, it's going to be twice as hard to do that or to be relevant if you're drowning. That is right. You know, and may I, there's one comment if I could make this. Um, I didn't talk about it earlier, but I want to just say something about well-being and financial health. I think this lesson is going to be, um, delivered as a gift to a lot of people that financial health and being conscious 
um, about financial well-being is essential to survival. And it can be one of the biggest stressors in, you know, marriages and family life um, overall. And it can put people in jobs that wouldn't be their dream job because they feel driven to make a certain amount of money or whatever. I think people living an authentic financial life are going to learn um, some very difficult lessons in this next um, phase of our, our world economy. Um, and this is a profound learning that is also being delivered. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. point out yeah. that's a piece of body, mind, and spirit and balance too. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yep, right. And, and, and to our point earlier, right, health and economy is at the individual level too, right? Yes. The family level, the yes. business level. And I have had that thought as well. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are in serious situations right now because they were living moment to moment, right? They were living in businesses as well, right? They weren't setting aside the money to sustain them in the event of some kind of catastrophe, right? Where they had to sustain their staff and take care of their people. And, and so I think it, I, to your point, I think it is a great wake up call for a lot of people and hopefully, right? They'll be able to put the things in place that they need to put in place to, you know, to right, right. Not experience this again in the future. Um, but I right. agree with you. Finances, uh, at the individual company, you know, it's not just large, large corporations. It's everybody. Everybody. That's yep. right. That's right. Yeah. Our mantra has been, don't miss the lessons. Don't miss the lessons. Well, there's <laughs> lots of opportunities here. <laughs> there are so many lessons. That's right. There oh, are. Oh, what a wonderful conversation, oh. Jean. Thank you so much. Yeah. For just, you Thank know, you. sharing your journey with our listeners. You've always been an inspiration to us and. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's just so wonderful to be on the journey and to have been on the journey with you for so long. And so just, it's just yeah. been a joy. Oh, likewise. And continue on the journey. Who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows what's, you know, what's going to happen next. But I was just really, um, struck with just the strong anchors we have had through the years of those sound principles and, and even, you know, the knowledge of polarities and the wisdom that that brings into decisions we make personally and professionally. And so it was really great to kind of walk down memory lane with you, um, mm-hmm. during the interview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think the other pattern I saw here too is, you know, and this goes right back to our roots, um, which is intention. Right. And you kept mentioning it's got to be intentional. It's about intention. And and we (laughs) learned that way back when. Right. And uh, and so I can see the pattern and we say that all the time. (laughs) We do. Yes, we do. Yes, you do as well. So it's a cornerstone. Right. It's a cornerstone to success is to be have that intention. So uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's just been really fun to have this conversation with you today. You are empowering and uplifting and inspiring. And I look forward to continuing to listen to your future podcast. Oh, well, thank you. You have a great day. Yeah. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. You too. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com, and we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. 
We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. 